catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. As we approach the final days of 2021, the COVID-19 pandemic is still shaping healthcare systems around the world. Many organizations and communities continue to battle patient surges caused by the Omicron variant, while also managing vaccination efforts and trying to prepare for what's next. Healthcare organizations and their frontline clinical workforce have absorbed the brunt of the pandemic and the emotional toll of witnessing the deaths of hundreds of thousands who could not have loved ones present. The first care of coronavirus infection in Nigeria was recorded at the end of February 2020. And since then, the virus has spread across the country. Figures shows that the highest number of cases in Nigeria were registered between May and August 2020, as well as between December 2020 and January 2021. A major serious threat for health in Nigeria is malaria. And according to the World Health Organization, malaria is the main cause of maternal mortality and poor child development. Both issues represent critical realities in West Africa. Well, maternal mortality in Nigeria is the third highest on the whole continent, with over 900 deaths per 100,000 live births. West African countries also register some of the highest rates of stunted and wasted children in the world. About 7% of children living in West Africa had a weight too low for their height. African regions had the second highest percentage of wasted children worldwide after South Asia in 2021. To delve even further into current trends in this conversation, We'll be taking a look at the health tech trends that shaped the health industry in the year 2021 and those that have the possibility to grow beyond average industry expectations and clearly move markets upwards and healthcare further. From telemedicine to at-home lab test, so many trends shaped the world of health this year and medical doctor in a private facility in Abuja joins us in this conversation our guest is a graduate of the Kwame Nkrumah University in Ghana, and our guest is Dr. Stephanie Glory Eme. Hello, Doc. Hi, good afternoon. All right, Doc, let's just go straight into the conversation, talking about the trends that broke out in the healthcare sector around the world in 2021. So uh, what are some of these trends? Okay, so I was trying to say that the trend for healthcare has generally been the same because the coronavirus has taken over the health space and uh, most of what healthcare professionals do has been tailored around trying to tackle the virus. And uh, this year, I can say, has been the year of the vaccine. It has been a year when most pharmaceutical companies and then most healthcare providers try to perfect the vaccine process and try to make it as available as possible to and the world to use as a means of um, curtailing the spread of COVID. So generally, that's what the trend has been. But if I should tailor it down to Nigeria, you know, we still have other health issues that have public health importance. We talk about things like the cholera, talk about things like Lassa fever, uh, talk about things like cerebrospinal meningitis, malaria. So we've also had to battle with these sicknesses together with the coronavirus. So generally, that's what the trend has been. 
Okay, so just the sicknesses. Uh, what about technological innovations? Are there any new applications that came, any new technological tools? Or is just the sicknesses that is the latest trend or the new trends that we saw in 2021 when it comes to health? Um, well, technology definitely has, has improved. I spoke about, if I remember, it was more about um, HIV and AIDS advancement in terms of detection. So we could see that um, as regards coronavirus, there were new um, modalities in testing that should be able to get your results within 24 hours. New molecular labs were set up. Um, I think before the COVID-19, we had very few molecular labs in Nigeria, but the NCDC has done extremely well in setting up new molecular labs in almost every state um, in the country where these PCR tests can be done, and indeed other tests and other things that are of public health importance. So that has really helped. In a, that has really helped a bit. And then just last week, I clearly saw on the news when the Minister of State for Budget and National Planning, I think he was going around most federal hospitals in Nigeria. Went to the one in Abuja, went to the one in Lagos, Benin, and equally Portakot. So the government had disbursed some funds for setting up of um, isolation centers equipping the labs of all these federal hospitals and equally um, did a lot of investment into research, you know, and uh, we're equally trying to invest more in local research in terms of provision of vaccines locally. And so in that sense, you could say that a lot has been done, really, a lot has been done to kind of improve um, the healthcare sector as a, in, uh, if you look at things that occurred within the year. All right, then. Okay, so 2020 was a devastating year for the global health. Uh, and the COVID-19 was all around the world. It just rose up and became one of the top killers around the world. You know, most of the health systems we had put in place, it just laid waste to it. And it showed the inadequacies of these health systems we had put in place before COVID struck. And then 2021 came. Would you say we fared better in battling or handling the COVID-19 pandemic in 2021 as compared to the year 2020? Uh, definitely. I mean, definitely we've, we have um, fared way better. If you, you understand, this um, virus was, was novel. And this particular um, strain, because the coronavirus itself is not, is not a new thing, but... This particular strain of virus was uh, novel, something that people had not really under, understood at all worldwide. So obviously, 2020 was a year of learning. And um, um, you could see that even the WHO had so many issues. Um, today, they will bring out one article. Tomorrow, something else will come out. First, they said it wasn't airborne. The data I said was airborne. You know? So we were, not, we were just getting to understand the virus. We were just getting to understand how how... It works, how it affects us health-wise. It's a mechanism of action. But I would say we were able to fare better in 2021 because we understood better. I mean, I think when the mask mandates became really enforceable, that, that went a long way. We understood better that once you should wear a mask and then keep your social distancing and as much as possible, avoid crowded places. Those were things that were put in place. And empirically, scientifically, it was shown that this things were able to help reduce the spread of COVID-19 and obviously reduce its morbidity and their mortality. But have we done as much as we should? Definitely not. Uh, the inadequacies in the healthcare system still there? Yes. 
Are there much more that can be done? Yes, but have we fared better than 2020? To be very honest, I think we have. We would need to really give kudos to those who have been saddled with the responsibility of uh, keeping us safe and then and then letting us know, keeping us aware, keeping us enlightened with what this virus has done. And then I think we are doing not as much as we should do, but we are getting there. We are getting there. Mm. I hope we really are getting there. But one of the clearest lessons uh, the pandemic taught us is the consequences of, you know, neglecting our health systems. Many countries had to focus on revamping the health systems they had for immediate action. Uh, so there was a lot of focus on the COVID-19. Now, some fear that other issues in health, like improving maternal and child health, may have been abandoned uh, thereby leading to a decline in the progress already made in these areas. Do you agree with this? Um, okay, using the word abandoned would probably be very strong and um, probably unfair, but you can say it has taken the back seat, definitely. You can say that um, interest in things that lead to maternal mortality and then also child mortality have probably not been discussed as much as it should should just because of the public interest with COVID-19 and I mean as we all know or as we should know the COVID-19 has become way more than just a health um, emergency or way more than just a pandemic it's really become a political tool you know um, by the big powers that be I mean I think we can remember there was the issue of the travel ban and all that when this Omicron variants came in so yes you can see that other healthcare issues that are of notable importance that have taken the backbone. I, I think when I started, I made mention so much access to um, healthcare for pregnant women, issue of vaccination for children under the ages of five. You know, those things have not necessarily been um, boomeranged as they should be. You can group that as an offset or as a negative turn of for bearing interest on COVID-19. And the other thing you asked is about revamping the healthcare system. I think it's something we would have to think of or do as a long-term project. We would have to put our variables and in place and we probably have to give ourselves time bound. So let's say in the next 10, 15 years, what do we expect um, our healthcare system to be like? Because I mean, everybody knows that there will very likely be another pandemic, you know, very likely. So how, how ready are we or what are we going to learn or what are we learning from our experience with this COVID-19? And I'm saying this because when Ebola um, struck in 2014, everybody would have thought that with the way Nigeria was able to tackle the Ebola um, issue, we would have been at least prepared for a possible um, epidemic or pandemic. But as we, we saw definitely, we were not ready for that. So I think it's more of a long-term project. We would have to think beyond next year beyond the next two years whilst obviously working assiduously hard to make sure that we improve our healthcare system so much that we're able to tackle this pandemic right now well now let's move away a little bit from COVID-19 before COVID-19 takes the shine off um, uh, all the trends for this year in the health sector now more than 90,000 people were infected with uh, cholera in Nigeria when we recently had an outbreak Emergency teams uh, have been working alongside the Nigerian Ministry of Health to bring that outbreak under control. You know, six cholera treatment centers across uh, 
the country were opened, more than 20,000 patients treated. But this development is a far cry from what we expect. What could have been done to have made things maybe better? Um, okay, thank you. And yes, this cholera is actually very important. You know, it would maybe not necessarily amaze you, but it would surprise you to know that cholera has killed more people than COVID in Nigeria. I think, if I remember, the NCDC chairman said, or the director general of the NCDC rather, said over the past 11 months, I think we've had over 3,000 deaths from cholera, 3,700 or so, if I, if I can get him right, from cholera. And I don't think we've had as much death from COVID over the same time frame. But then COVID has obviously taken the front burner. But cholera is one of the most um, important and deadly communicable disease we, we have in this country. And then um, it's of pristine public health importance because it really encompasses not just the healthcare sector itself, but it also encompasses the environmental sector. You know, um, but in Nigeria, it's in 2019 or so, Nigeria was, um, not 2019 or 2020, we were adjudged the um, open defecation capital of the world. So more people defecate openly in Nigeria than in any other country in the world. I mean, that is something that you wouldn't really want to, to, to have tagged to you as a country. But it directly leads to the outbreak of cholera. No, cholera if you know how it's, it's, it's spread, it's basically spread through the fecal oral routes, you know. So it's something that not just the Ministry of Health, but the Ministry of Environment really needs to take um, precedence here. They would need, they would need to, to, to really um, buckle up and sit up and look into the issues. What are the problems? Why do we have more, the most um, people defecating openly? Why don't you have good... Uh, with disposal systems, why don't you have good toilet systems around the world or around the country where people can um, rather dispose of their waste adequately? So these are things we would need to really look at in terms of um, trying to reduce the problems with cholera because apart from just the mortality, you could look at the mobility rates. You know, it affects a lot of the young people, it affects the most productive um, sector of the economy, which is the labor force. And once it affects that um, labor force, obviously it's going to reduce productivity. I know what to do in the long term for the economy. So it's something we would really need to look into. And not just the governments, the populace equally has to take a bit of responsibility. How do we dispose of our waste? You know, we unfortunately are not the most hygienic um, populace, so a lot of orientation needs to go out, a lot of um, public awareness needs to be put in place because this would go a long way, apart from the pharmacological aspect of controlling cholera, the non-pharmacological aspect is also very important. And I think we can do much better in that in that uh, regard. Hmm. I agree with you. Now, but the issue is, Doc, um, you're mentioning that the government needs to do more. But with these numbers, I mean, they said they, they established about, opened about six different centers to treat cholera across the northern region. All right. They also said they, um, they've treated about 20,000 patients and all of that. You know, we're now telling them that they need to do more. They might not agree with us or see it in that light because to them, there's some form of achievement. What do you think? No, definitely. They are, I mean, 
it will be unfair to say they're not doing anything. Yeah. But are they doing enough? No. I don't think, <laughs> unfortunately, not to not to necessarily criticize the government so much, but it will be difficult to ask any Nigerian if the government has done enough for them. You know, so are they doing what they can do? Yes. Possibly to the best of their abilities. Can they do more? Definitely. Um, is it going to be something that will be done overnight? No. Uh, policies being put in place, uh, machineries being put in place for these interventions to be more long-term. Now, this is what we would need to know. This is where they will need to do more. Because unfortunately, we seem to be a very short-term focused people. So we just look at things over the next year. But then we start looking at things over the next four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. What policies are being put in place? How are we going to to reduce the number of people who defecate openly? You know, what form of um, waste disposal systems are being put in? Are like are policies being driven by the government so that okay, this is how waste is supposed to be disposed, or in every public um, gathering like markets. Um, motor parks, you must have at least three or four um, toilets where people can go and use the washroom. They must be cleaned. Do you have people who will go around these places, looking at them, inspecting them, and people who are defaulting should be fined. So these are these are policies and these are things that will need to be put in place, you know. And okay, these um, treatment centers, how often are they revamped? How do you, if you go there, uh, um, the doctors are equipped to what they need? Do they have PPEs? Are these doctors being trained and retrained? Are these centers going to be functioning at its optimal, optimal capacity in the next four or five years? So these are the, these, these are things that we need to think of. And this is where I say the government needs to do more so that we just don't do things. And then if over the next two years, things seem to be improving then we just take our foot off the pedal so we need to consistently um put our foot on the pedal make sure we are consistent with our policies and think more long term that is really what i'm trying to say mm, i think i like that think more long term all right now let's move over to mental health all right. It was predicted earlier in 2021 this year by Forrester analysis that during the year, uh, one third of virtual care appointments will be related to mental health issues. Now, Doc, we did see of a truth a rise in mental health issues this year. A lot of people came down with depression, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts and all of that. Now, but were we able to handle it adequately in your own view? I don't necessarily have the numbers off the top of my head, but I know we don't have a lot of uh, clinical psychologists in this country. Mm-hmm. Probably don't have up to 200, you know, registered like clinical psychologists. And yes, worldwide, uh, mental health, the issues of mental health really, really became prominent because people actually had a lot of time on their hands. You know, some people have lots of coping mechanisms. So they work, 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 work. Um, they don't really slow down to really think of things or they just have a way to cope. And with the COVID year and people not going to work and everything shutting down, a lot of these things just hipped on lots of people. So quite a lot of people were depressed, a lot of people involved in domestic violence, um, a lot of people had to resort to using recreational drugs or abusing recreational drugs and banned substances. So yes, mental health um, and issues with mental health really increased around this time frame. But then the other thing you also know is that the stigma is still there. As uh, 
you can say yes we are a more enlightened society people are really getting more comfortable with talking about their mental health but the stigma is still there you know um people who are depressed are still looked or people who maybe have symptoms of depression are looked not necessarily look frowned frowned upon but the the symptoms are not necessarily detected early by say family and friends because one thing we realize with depression is the person who is depressed would probably not tell the next person who he or she is depressed but then one of the first things you would probably know from someone who is depressed is just lack of interest in things that would necessarily interest them um uh, normally or realize that they don't go out they don't speak to anybody they are a bit, bit more recluse but if and when people are exhibiting these symptoms other people will think about it or th- think think of them like uh, maybe just trying to form or act like, as if they are the ones that have all the problems unfortunately that stigma is still there and then people are not necessarily opening up and then trying to seek um, adequate care so um we've like I said, I don't necessarily have the data, but I can say we've not handled it as much as we should. We don't have a lot of uh, rehab centers. We don't have a lot of um, psychotherapy centers, but it's something we would really need to look into. Interest in mental health is actually being spurred up. I personally know more doctors that are getting into mental health as a specialty. So again, these things are, the conversation is now happening what we would need or the change or the results we would want to see might not be very short term but the most important thing is these conversations need to happen like the way they say you never know or the the very first step to healing is to accepting that there's a problem so we've accepted that we know there's a problem we're having the conversations and more people are looking into their mental health and so let's see how that will pan out in the next couple of years but as it is now we've not done so so well in terms of uh, managing mental health. Mm. And that leads me to my next question. I mean, we have very few days left in 2021. Can we still do something? Can anything be done when it comes to our healthcare system in Nigeria? Is there any hope? With health, there's really no stop, pause or start button. Um, It's a continuum. It's something that is done every single day. So, and the only person who doesn't have hope is someone who is dead. So, as long as we are alive, we need to still hope and still pray while still doing what we need to do to improve our healthcare system, improve healthcare delivery. And I think we would get there. I am not so happy with where we are now. But again, like I said earlier, it would be unfair to say things are not being done at the very least. But we need to keep having these conversations. We need the people who are who have been studied with the responsibility of um, directing us of pilot of, of um, you know pilot in these uh, terms of healthcare delivery. We need to put pressure on them that they need to keep doing what they need to do, keep working harder, and just put the interest of Nigerians above their personal interest. And we'll see where we go from there. Yes, and I think that's a good way to wrap up the conversation. That even as we end things in year 2021, there's still hope. I mean, something good can still come out of Nazareth. So we're not just, we're not, we're not, we're not going to call it all gloom, okay? So we just hope that uh, 
before the end of the year, something better still comes up. We've been talking to a medical doctor in a private facility all the way in the northern part of Nigeria, in Abuja. I'm talking to Dr. Stephanie Glory. And just shared his thoughts with us as regards the health tech trends in 2021. Thank you for coming on the show, Doc. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Thank and you. see you next year where we will look take a look at the outlook for 2022. Until then, do take care. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.